remember my parents, my mom wouldn't let me watch <laughs> He-Man for a while. Same just, here. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch that. There's or, a lot of weird stuff in the Or 80s. Pee-wee Herman. Like I wasn't lot. allowed to watch Pee-wee Herman either. <laughs> I think she was on to something Made a great, made a great <laughs> meme about Nephilim with Pee-wee Herman. We sure oh, did. Man. We sure okay. did, man. Speaking of Nephilim, um, you know, I talk a lot about giants at times and um, Nephilim. You guys are crushing it. Um, we've got footprints in Texas. You know, there's different interviews I've done with you where we're talking about the giants of ancient America and all these old newspaper articles of the late 1800s, early 1900s that are talking about giants found in almost every state, right? From uh, publications like the New York Times. We've got um, every ancient culture really talking about these ancient floods and a golden age world where the gods mingled with men. We've got, um, you know, the book of Enoch talking about the watchers descending right on Mount Hermon and Israel and breeding with earth women to create this hybrid race of giants. We've got the Bible, Genesis six, talking about there were giants on the earth in those days. Right. And, funny interesting how the flood narrative happens right after that so you guys have spent countless hours talking to guests and thinking about giants of the old world the nephilim i kind of want to just hear uh from each of you and it doesn't have to be long because we got some other topics to hit on but when you peel back the onion how do you visualize the golden age world the ancient prehistoric world where these gods mingled with men and there were giants and cryptids. What's that look like to you? I, th- I feel like it's sort of um, almost futuristic. I think you had a lot of technology that they were able to harness that that we have lost, that we're slowly trying to replicate via tech, like, like, um, modern technology with wires and screens and computers right but i think they had a they had sort of a futuristic world through ancient more organic materials and i think they were able to achieve the same purposes so i bet you if you could go back you would see probably floating objects giants weird creatures um power sources that we don't even understand Maybe farming technology. You know, we saw some of that in Peru. They had these lattices and they had these just, they were building on mountains. And you're like, what are they, why are they building a society and civilization way up here? Like, what are they, how do they function up here on this mountain? Right. But they had probably, I mean, you, we can just see the stones and just little glimpses of their tech. So I think it was like a futuristic hy- hybrid of, same problems. How do we power this thing? How do we feed this thing? How do we communicate? But but also, how do we make this thing look sweet? So it's sort of like a... I, I said on the Cultish podcast, I said it's... We as modern day humans, especially Christians, think that the ancient world was just this moral rebellion. But I think it was a big F you to God in every way possible. Technology spirituality, physical, genetic, anything they could do to rebel against God and build their own earth, golden, 
age down here. They, I think they did. So I think if we went back, we would see it would be like a science fiction movie. We'd be blown away at what we're looking at and just what's walking around. Like the straight out of Cantina, Star Wars. Just what is that? You know, <laughs> just I think that's how, how, how it would be. And I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that's how it was. And, you know, that's just me kind of being more of a, a visionary kind of visual person, just thinking that's probably pretty wacky, but probably fascinating too, just to, just to see. So, yeah, uh, yeah, Nate. Um, <laughs> no, I, I was gonna, I, I think it's, it's, this is always an interesting conversation because this causes a lot of visceral reactions with folks, um, especially in the Christian space because. You know, inevitably, as you said, it kind of invokes uh, the Book of Enoch, which is just an expose on Genesis six. It's really just a, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of chapters about what happened in that space. But I always want to remind folks that, like, for the first four hundred years after Christ, this was the the idea of an angelic mixing with humanity was was commonplace until it was until it wasn't. Enoch still remains still remains a part of the canon in the Ethiopian Bible. Um, in fact, what's what the modern the you know um, seminaries would tell you about the Sethite view, as Doug Van Dorn said on our show, it takes a lot more mental gymnastics to make that happen than it does to believe that there was a an angelic rebellion and a mixing of of species. And, and I don't remember who on our show Nate said this, but I always it, it stuck with me the idea that there was this impartation of knowledge. Like Graham Hancock talks about the enlightened traveler, right, that shows up and and shows people civilization really. You know, Graham is very close, I think. He just he's so anti Bible and anti giant, for example, that he just that that's the missing piece. It, it really it's 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 an impartation of technology, right? You our descriptions of heaven are streets and walls and roads. And if you talk about manna, manna's the bread of heaven, which which I think we talked about this in the show native it that means there had to be grain. So the idea there's this the, that the heavenly realm is this more advanced civilization, really, in some ways, if you want to put it that way, right? Like there's, and, and the rebellious watchers then taught these, they traded technology for wives. They taught humanity these, the, these how to do things, right? And, and what is so fascinating about being in Peru, for example, and you've had this experience because you've been there to Egypt and, and seen the Cyclopean technology in Peru and touched the stones is this is what's left that survived this this cataclysm, whatever you ascribe to as far as your beliefs, biblical or not, there was a catac global cataclysm. You can't, that's almost, it's irrefutable, right? That mm -hmm. this happened. And what we have left are, are the stones. That's all that's left, but they still remain. Like when you touch the Cyclopean architecture in Cusco, Peru, or at Sacsayhuaman, or at Ajantay Tambo, or you find the Cyclopean architecture at uh, Machu Picchu, you're touching something that, that made it through the global cataclysm. So the technology to do that is, the, we don't know how they did it, and they don't know how to do it. I mean, I think one of the best points that we that we heard when we were in in Peru, Nate, and the point that Tim made, I think, was interesting. Was when the Spanish come and they conquer the Inca, and they build their cathedrals and churches on top of all of the Inca temples. None of that architecture is Cyclopean, um, and the idea that the Inca then didn't know how to do it, right? You, you think if you were conscribing the Inca to build these churches, which the Spanish did, they'd say that technology over there, which isn't in, in, I mean, I, I shot from where they built, built these churches built like that. 
It's earthquake proof. They didn't know how to do it, right? So there's this idea that there was these, there was this technology and there were these, um, this methodology and there was this knowledge that was imparted pre-flood. And then from like a, a creature standpoint, we talked about Bigfoot at the top, right? Maybe there's, there's, maybe there's remnants of this stuff that we see. Um, I think of a lot of what is um, immortalized in mytho- the mythology of ancient civilizations probably has threads of truth in, in the golden age. Um, even the Inca, when in Peru talk about Machu Picchu being the abode of the, of the gods, they found these places. They want to dwell there because the gods had dwelt there, right? Um, flies in the face of the, of the narrative that the Inca built all this. If they're saying that they, they found it and they added on, you can see the difference in, in technology and, and in, in construction. So uh, there, it's hard, it, there's a lot of things going on. If you ascribe to the biblical worldview, there were giants running around, right? That's part of what we find. If we find it post-flood as well with the Rephaim and the conquests of, of Joshua and the tribes of giants in Canaan. Um, so I, I think it was, it was a wild west of, of um, just defilement and um, the impartation of, the, of, this, of this knowledge and technology that, that was part of the trade. So, I mean, we look at the remnants. You talk, you, you talk a lot about Egypt. You look at the things that remain um, and you look at the mm-hmm. narratives that surround them as far as, as what, how these were built and who built these. And for, if you're a thinking person, you ask enough questions, it doesn't really add up. And so then what really happened? I think, I think is a question. The reality is we don't really know how they did some of this stuff. We don't know how they celestially aligned some of these things. We don't know how they, how they formed the, how they cyclopean put these rocks together without mortar that are all irregular shaped and fit together where you can't stick a, a piece of paper between it. And it's not a facade. I've seen this on Instagram. It's just a facade. Like, you know what? They, there's places on these walls where they, the stones are pulled out and they go all the way back. So, that drives me nuts. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. I often see that answer. If I post a photo, write, or a video of a megalithic wall, well, that's just a facade. Like it's, you know, they're not actual stones. It's just no. uh, a facade. Like it just looks like they're stones. They're not really mm-hmm. individual stones. I'm like, no, they are. And you guys were there. You were up close. I mean, these these are clearly individual stones that go deep into the wall, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Spanish dismantled a bunch of these, right? In order to actually for building material for building for building their own cathedrals, they built on top of all the Inca temples. And so there are places, Nate, where we had lunch that one day in Cusco. We were down those alleys, and there was those those um, cyclopean walls. There was a really good example. I don't know if I found a, if I took a photo. I have to look back to my photos, but where rocks have been removed or stones have been removed, and you could see them. And it's one of those things where you're like, let me look into here, and it they go all the way back. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'd seen that on our, our pages too, right? Like, oh, they just built this facade. It's 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 decoration. This is just on top of, you know, um, really good stonework. And you're like, it actually isn't. Um, in fact, in Sacsayhuaman, the Spanish dismantled the walls by by a factor of two. Like they're they're half the size they were. Um, and so when you go to the top of these walls, you can see a lot of what's below you because it's been taken apart. They took all the stone down to build. You know the uh, the cathedral of San Juan and these other 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 churches down in, in Cusco, which is a mile away. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's I love it because there aren't good answers, yeah. right? And that's I think that's what's in, that's what's important is that you can't just explain it away easily. Like they just they they did it. 
You're like, well, then why does it look different here? Shouldn't it get better as it's newer? And that's always the thing. Like, we have better iPhones well, now in the iPhone 14 than we did with one, right? They don't get worse. It's a, I mean, it's a bad example, but it's also a good wow. example because the technology is not getting worse. And that's what you see in a lot of these places. You see it in Egypt. You know this. I've seen enough of your videos. You see that somehow the dynastic, the dynastic Egyptian construction is worse than what's older. Mm-hmm. I think... I think just to kind of give an, an 80s analogy here, I think if you if you remember the movie Terminator 2, right? Like, they were able to build this, this, they were able to rebuild the robot based on this computer chip that they found from the first movie, right? So they just had this little piece of a computer chip up inside the, the skull of one of these original Terminators. And I think that's what the megaliths are. Like, if we were, we're seeing 4 to 5% of what they had, and I think if we were able to build the whole machine and see what the whole empire looked like, I think we are just looking into a glimpse of the technology that they had. And I think just that 4 or 5% that we still have today is so immaculate and amazing, especially in Peru, um, some of the best preserved in the world. You, you realize like we're just seeing a few, like just a, just a little bit in a window into this ancient world and what they had and what was going on. And I think the evidence there suggests that. And so if we were to build out this whole empire, what would it actually look like? I think we'd be pleasantly surprised of, of how advanced it was. Let's um, talk about Stargates real quick. All these ancient megalithic temples in uh, Egypt, and even what the dynastics built on top of, they're talking about Stargates all over. I mean, it seems like almost every temple, you're going to see depictions and hieroglyphs relating to stargates, to portals. Um, in Peru, you guys were at one of my favorite sites, uh, Napa Huaco or Napa Inglesia, one of those. We told that story. We told your story at the site, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that looks like, and according to Incan legend, this was a, a portal of sorts. It was a stargate. So, um, Again, we we hit on the watchers descending, according to the Book of Enoch, um, likely through a stargate. What is your guys' take on stargates? And do you think um, some of the blurry creatures that you cover on your show, whether they're so-called aliens or cryptids or Bigfoot, do you think there's still stargates that these entities are coming through today? Um, yeah, I mean... Definitely. I think that there are hotspots all over the United States when it comes to a lot of these paranormal activity. We talked you know, with you about Mount Shasta. We just interviewed a pastor that said there's a portal up there on top of Mount Shasta, and he's supposed to go there and meet with a family of Bigfoot. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that there are hot... <laughs> there just, are, you throw that out there, you just keep moving on. It's yeah. Like, this, is, this is where we're at. <laughs> yeah, this is where we're at in the show. Like... I, I think there are definitely like ways that they travel. I mean, you don't build advanced tech. Like, you know, our government just came out and said we have we've had these craft in our possession for a long time. It's non-human origin. Whether you buy that story or not, I mean, it's not the first time we've heard this. There's been whistleblowers for decades. Yeah, we did an episode Wh- with you, Derek, about recovered shit or recovered craft. Yeah, I mean, and it's like this is not a new story. You don't. I mean. You don't build a Lamborghini to go from here to McDonald's, you know? You build it so you can cruise it down the highway and you can go go somewhere. And I think that these guys are coming 
and going and they're 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 going they're going from point a to point b in ways we don't understand and um i think that there are stargates and things because like i said earlier you have people going from our dimension somewhere else you have people who are disappearing you have people that are going from one location not then not here and how is that possible and you see these ancient glimpses of of technology and maybe some doorways and things like that so i don't really know how that works but we hear about it all places like you know skinwalker ranch to to, uh, to places in peru like you said like that that cave and uh there seems to be some sort of highway that they use that we don't understand and i think that maybe that's the uh that's the on-ramp to that highway yeah, there's whatever you, whatever you want to call it, portal or a stargate. There's definitely something happening, and I, and I think with quantum's, you can mathematically make it make sense, right? Even Einsteinian uh, physics, you can talk about bending space time, and um, you know, you ascribe to those theories or you don't. Yeah, the road, the bridge, right? Yeah, it, it, the math checks out. So it's really hard to refute that those things aren't possible. And then you have all the anecdotal stories, right? You have, there's the one from Politis that I always go back to, Nate, it's on Mount Shasta, the guy just walking into, what's mm-hmm. up disappear and the guy's gone. There's no camp gear. There's no body. There's no crevasse. There's nothing. And, and, and I think about the same thing when talking to Jonathan Redbird Dover about some of the experiences on the res, the one tracking the Bigfoot, for example. So there, these things are going somewhere and I think they're coming from somewhere. And, and, um, you know, whether you want to quantify that as supernatural or, um, you want to apply, you know, physics and quantums and math around it. I think you're really just saying the same thing. And, uh, you know, I think your story at, at Nuapa Iglesia is fascinating actually, Derek, cause we told that story when we were there because that is a very odd place and a, and a very odd carving, very old carving in, in a stone. Um, and the fact that there was an experience there that you were there to witness, not be a part of, but witness, um, there's something going on. I, I, um, I think Nate hit it on the head. Like things, there's things, the, the way that some things move in, in our space, they defy like really the logic of, of, of the laws of nature or physics that we, that we would ascribe. They, they shouldn't be able to do that, but they do. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I definitely think it happens. I know that there are occultic rituals that are practiced that did they attempt to open these things as well, let things through. And people tell you that maybe that's what's happening at CERN or at Oak Ridge, closer to us here in Tennessee, um, that there are some trying to open, open things. And we know that, you know, Alistair Crowley, and then those that followed him, and he's you know a very famous Satanist and occult and occultist. That they did a lot of things they did was attempting to do that to open up workings, as they called them, was attempting to open up portals and, and to and to bring things through. So there's a predication for that within the occult, right? So um, there's something very real happening, and I would say that it's it, it it's on this on this on the supernatural spiritual plane. But there's interaction with the physical as well. So uh, it sounds a lot like our talk on Bigfoot at the top of the show. But there's there's something very odd that 
that that is that happens and i think it, it happened in the ancient days and i think it's still happening today and i think neat needle in the head there's there's spots and ancient spots that um it's probably still going on skinwalker is a good one skinwalker is bizarre there's that whole story about the ranchers about the, about the sort of portal opening up and the bigfoot type creature growing out and these are cattle ranchers this, this isn't you know made for tv you know whoever whoever saying this has happened you know and finding bigfoot this is like a a guy that raised cattle saying this is what happened in the sky um yeah man this is, the, the farther you go the weirder it gets sometimes right yeah yeah fascinating um man we've covered so many great topics for the sake of time i want to make sure we end uh with talking about ufo disclosure uh aliens entities however you want to uh package that uh for somebody like me and probably you guys you know i grew up in the 80s um i was one of the weird kids that followed ufos and we talked a little bit about this on i think our last interview where we talked about ufo crash retrievals from a long time ago historic ones um you know back in the 80s it was uh again you were weird to, to talk about ufos it wasn't mainstream, right? Uh, and here we are today seeing disclosure and really almost government disclosure like never before with uh, these whistleblowers coming forward talking about, you know, hey, the government's been uh, retrieving non-human uh, craft uh, for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear from you guys. I know you've been interviewing Al Barino a lot. and. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are deep into the space and leading the charge on uh, making sure that this is getting talked about. What's your uh, what's your take? I know that's a big big question. What's your take on what's happening? I know it's multifaceted, probably from so many angles. But just talk to me about uh, your thoughts on the UFO disclosure. You've got some people saying this is a total psyop, um, yet. What the official government NASA uh, explanation seems to be saying, um, no, this isn't really happening. So you've kind of mm-hmm. got conflicting reports. So talk to me a little bit about the disclosure. Um, how did we get here, mm-hmm. and where are these UFOs coming from? Is it is it aliens from outer space? Is it uh, government um, psyop, or is it a little bit of both? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the questions, one of the things I say a lot on the show is like, it's all the above, right? So, you know, you think you have it figured out and then you have a story that blows holes in that, that, that idea. And, you know, when it comes to these, these craft, it's been going on for a long time. You have reports, you've done a couple episodes on sort of ancient UFO sightings, you know, like there was that one over Nuremberg and there was this like UFO war that the battle happening in the skies in like the 1500s and a bunch of people were seeing this and documented it and they even had like sort of like a newspaper of the day that wrote about it um it was kind of more like a like a leaf that went out throughout the community or whatever and they um you know it was it was they they documented it and there was like a painting and stuff and so it you know we brought on exorcists who say it's it's all deception it's all smoke and mirrors and i and i try to explain to him that you know we, we also brought on someone who was part of his church Catholic Church, Dr. Diana Pasulka, saying that you know, there, she went into the Vatican archives. There was a whole wing dedicated to UFOs and sightings and paranormal stuff. And that was ancient. So she had access because she was an academic and she 
she had to have somebody go in there and put these gloves on and like look through these archives. So this isn't a modern day phenomena, it's something that's been going on a long time. Now, what do you think it is? I don't know. You know, I don't really have all the answers to that. I think um, it is it is a lot of physicality attached to it. You have craft crashes, you have grays that are found, you have bodies that are like preserved. You have this this non it it, it moves and behaves like a lot like what we do. You know, when we crash in our cars, we we're just this mangled body in this wreckage. And we have the same thing happening with, with these advanced beings that are flying around. Now, I think they probably come from inside the earth. They probably come from other areas around who knows outside of outside of our solar system. But I think some of them are maybe interdimensional, maybe spiritual, maybe playing for the wrong team. I think you can say that some of it's psyop, some of it's fake by our own government trying to push a narrative. Some of it is something they can't control. And I think these whistleblowers are coming out because they're afraid. They're afraid of getting taken out. They're afraid of getting killed, silenced, whatever. They're getting, you know, um, sort of, you know, let's teach you a lesson. Don't talk about this stuff. So it's no easy answers, you know, when it comes to, but I think, I think technology is catching up to it. I think more and more whistleblowers are going to come out and say, I've worked on this tech, seen this tech. They have a very similar story to Bob Lazar. They're going to have credentials. They're going to have all the credibility. And they're going to say the same thing. We have non-human craft. That is pretty much anyone in the UFO space now, anyone in this who's been in here for decades knows that this is the narrative. Bob Lazar kind of dudes were telling the truth. We have it. now. We need to have a discussion now about where it come from. Is it good, bad? Not, is this a Hollywood movie? Is this propaganda? Is this PSYOP? No, we have it. And I think we can all say now, anyone who's been in this space, it is real. It's here. Let's have that conversation. How much do they know? And why hasn't the public been taught and brought up to speed? And it's kind of sad, but that's what's happening. Yeah, I, I think I'd remind people that um, it actually isn't, like you said, Derek, very astutely, it isn't the government saying this, right? These are whistleblowers. And unlike the Edward Snowden whistleblow, you know, when he blew the whistle on the NSA for spying on all of us, there wasn't the protections there are now. So these are NASA, who everyone likes to remind and, and tell us are, are big liars. And they're saying their narrative is that there's no extraterrestrial life and none of this is true. The government hasn't recognized or put out a statement about this. They did hold House Oversight Committee hearings, right? These are whistleblowers with legal protections. In fact, some of the things they talk about, if you watch it, they have to do in a skiff. So it's classified stuff that can't be released. So I think there's a, there's a fair amount of credibility into, into that, that this isn't... I mean, you're talking about a PSYOP within a PSYOP, and people say, well, that's what they're doing. And it's like, okay. I mean, I, I guess, but it, if the government's going to push a narrative, why is none of the mainstream media really covering it? And why are the are the mouthpieces for our government mm-hmm. saying the opposite? Um, yeah, are they sowing confusion? Sure. I mean, you you can go down a million a, a million paths here, but to me, there's a lot of credibility in these testimonies, right? Um, based on the credentials of those tes- uh, those giving testimony, we're talking about naval pilots. Um, we're talking about people with classified acts or classified, um, credentials and, and, and access and legal protections. So it begs us to talk about it. Um, 
you know, I, I, I like to remind people when I have these conversations with my friends that extraterrestrial just means not of Earth, right? And angels would be considered extraterrestrial. They're not, they're not of Earth. We are. We were, we were, this is our dominion. We were placed here. God created man and put it on, put it, put us here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Job is very specific about the sons of God singing for joy at the creation of the earth. So they weren't, they're not of earth. So I think there's a lot of places you can go with this. And, you know, do they have craft? Um, I mean, if you just throw all of, <laughs> you got to throw all that stuff and say, everyone's lying. Everybody's lying. And this is all a big mm-hmm. psyop for what end? Um, mm-hmm. Project Bluebeam. Uh, that's why I think I think Nate's pretty 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 right on when you say it's probably some of all of the above. Like I think there there are probably factions of 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 our government and world governments that are going to take advantage of this as you know as a um, as a you know as some sort of way to inspire fear. Um, you could talk a lot about eschatology and how this could play out, depending on where on what your views on 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 end times and mm-hmm. are, but. I think I think this is something that we need that is begs us to talk about and and to contextualize because um, as I say on our show a lot if if we don't look for answers in the scripture and within our faith that can answer some of these questions I believe we can um, then you know then we're the world's more more than happy to disciple us in, in their version of the narrative and that's always going to be counter to God and counter to you know, to the promises of God and the things of God. So, um, you know, our friend Tim Alberino, he, he would say this is the biggest thing to happen, the biggest news since uh, the resurrection of Christ. And um, it's fascinating to see it. Have, I was thinking about this morning, how it's at this point today, it's pretty much kind of disappeared again. It, it, it's it's mind blowing to me that these, something that this magnitude is um, just blips sort of the, the attention and not the mainstream attention, right? This is hardly covered in mainstream media. You had to look for outlets and some of them were squashed on YouTube and other places that, that were covering this. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of smoke there for me saying that this, there's, there's probably a lot of truth to this. Um, you're not a hundred percent true. Probably that's probably, that's probably the case with everything, but enough credibility. It seems like with whistleblowers, enough credibility with, with the, like the method, the method to which this happens, that this, this, you know, you're talking about some kind of crazy amount of orchestration for this to all be some vast, you know, world as a stage play to, to make us believe that when half vast majority of people that are, are tuning in don't believe it anyway, right? So this is, I, I don't see the, the end game here. Um, I, I think the end game, honestly, as we, as we've, you know, blazed down this trail is going to be some involvement. And you hear it, and not from any Christian narratives, from narratives about how they're already here and they're 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 helping us. They're they're like on our side. They're going to step in before we destroy each, destroy mm-hmm. each other. It's this benevolent sort of ET, benevolent um, alien uh, partnership, right? Or or somehow they seeded us here. I think that's the big deception that's going to be rolled out. I, I don't think the big deception is that there are these things. Um, I think in the same way we talked about portals and, and stargates and things coming in and coming through, I think we could probably talk a lot about maybe that's perhaps how some of these things end up in, in, in our realm. And, uh, you know, I could be wrong on that, but I, I do think that we do a disservice to put our heads in the sand or have a visceral knee-jerk reaction that says that all of this is a psyop, all of this is a lie. 
all this is is holograms and not consider the balance uh, of what potentially this 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 could be and not not buying every single narrative or buying everyone's testimony but holding all those things equal and saying there's 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 enough truth here that we need to we need to have a discussion around this from a christian hey, two christian, things christian, i want to yeah so good two things i want to push uh not push back on ask you about nate okay so i want to ask you about these so-called grays we hear about right you guys did a podcast recently i think it was called children in the woods where and you've done other episodes that, that uh talk about this phenomena of supposed alien abductions or entity abductions and um i think in your most recent episode children in the woods you know you had you had witnesses who said hey they had this experience with grays that were they were being probed all this crazy stuff and then Nate you just said you think that some of these might come from inside the earth not necessarily you're not, not necessarily talking outer space you're talking about in the earth which almost that that makes my memory jog of uh Captain Admiral Byrd and Operation uh what was it high jump or paperclip way back when mm-hmm. where he went this massive expedition down to Antarctica what was that right during uh during or after World War II and he claims to see, you know, entities from inside the earth and flying craft come out. Sensational stuff. Uh interesting how upon his death his stuff was all taken and uh classified by the government. So tell me a little bit more about the inner earth part of this and your thoughts <laughs> on the Indian Grace. Yeah, I mean People send us stuff all the time, so I, I've I've loosely looked into the topic. Um, I think there's something. There's a lot of rumbles. So we, we talked about how they're always building underground. There's these these caves that go underground. These underground systems. We, there's underground, you know, dynasties and rumored in the Grand Canyon and Shasta. And it's like what what's under what's under the ground. What is beneath us? What is, um, are there maybe some highways down inside the earth and what's going on with that whole thing? Um, there's lots of UFO sightings of them coming out of the ocean, coming out of mountains, being in and around places that seem to go down inside. So I think that there's something about our earth on the inside, like that we're not fully aware of and going inside of it. Um, I'm not really in the flat earth space, but I definitely think that there's a, there might be a hollow part and there might be some, some caverns and some access points to get inside. A lot of this stuff comes from, you know, Tim came on and talked about the Veracoaches and these angelic sort of beings that, you know, live inside, um, some of the areas in Peru down in, inside the mountain and, you, and people come on our show and talk about the dumbs deep at underground military bases and how there's this stuff underground. So I don't know. I, I, I don't, you have to sort of expand your perspective, but there's, there's this element of things being deep in the earth. And I think that goes back to a lot of legends, stories, Tolkien literature, whatever there. It's not a new thing. So until we get down there and see for ourselves, I don't know, but um, the grays seem to be some sort of uh, uh, biological army that is carrying out a task. 
They don't really have a personality. They don't really invoke fear. They just kind of show up and, and carry out tasks in all the encounter stories we've heard. Now, there's some modern, recent um, accounts of these things being tall, seven, eight foot. The face peelers we do with Tim down in Peru. You have all these people that are getting terrorized by these seven foot tall grays. So I don't know if what those are. And in Vegas, suppose there was a tall one in that kid's backyard and he got a couple frames of it when they were filming. So I don't know. They're, they're supposedly there's big ones and, and short ones. But a lot of people get abducted by the, the short ones. They show up in your bedroom. They show up, you know, places you would never suspect. And they, they, they either they're, you're having the beginnings of an encounter or an abduction or the end of an abduction. And they don't, but they don't, they don't sound like they have a personality. They sound like they're just there to do their, their thing and leave. Whereas all the other sort of creatures in our space seem to have some kind of markers that that help you realize what it is and what it's doing and kind of has a personality. So I I, I think there's a lot there, but we're we're going to get into some of these topics. Um, we've talked about the grays a lot, but more of like inside the earth. What is what is that? We've we've only kind of scratched the surface. No pun intended. <laughs> That's great. Luke, anything to uh, add on the final topic there? Well, I just, the, 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 we've much- allegedly found an ocean that's larger than the one on the surface of the earth beneath the earth, like 400 miles down. So I don't know. We really know what's, what's there. We've had a lot of conversations about the deep underground military bases and, you know, under our country and purport, you know, there's purportedly, you know, um, under rail systems and and all of this and that's sort of been has been reported by you know whistleblowers in that space as well so there's a lot of things in the earth that we don't know about the great thing is fascinating i mean you can go a lot of different places with that and and i think nate did a good job talking about that even to the point where you know there are, are creatures like that that supposedly peek through you know portals that crowley opened up right so you know, what do you make of all that? And, um, you know, again, if any, if just one of these stories is true, you have to go back to that. Just one of these is true. You have to find context. You have to expand your paradigm to, to include the reality that there are, there are creatures like that. And, um, there's just a lot of stories, a lot of stories out there, a lot, a lot of anecdotal evidence. And so I, you can't, you can't dismiss it all. And, uh, I just don't think you can do that. I think you do yourself a disservice if you do. You know, what are they doing? What are they exactly? I mean, that's the big mystery, man. It's just like Bigfoot until someone pulls them out of the woods, you know, and they can put them on a table and we can analyze it. We're not really going to know. Uh, yeah, that's Crazy. my thoughts. Uh, yeah, that's my thoughts there, yeah. Yeah, I'll close with, I don't know if I ever brought this up when we've been talking about UFOs, but like we said, this whole UFO disclosure could be so multi-layered. Um, one of the craziest things I ever heard back when I was just kind of getting into launching this space, Megalithic Marvels, there was a guy named Doc Marquis who um, had a platform about kind of exposing the Illuminati. And he'd talk about UFOs and he would get into ancient structures too so somehow i started following this guy a little bit and i heard him on a podcast this is like probably 2014 and 
Again, this guy, unfortunately, he passed away like maybe five years ago. Again, he seemed legit. Mm. But his whole thing was he was brought up in an Illuminati family mm-hmm. from Illuminati bloodlines and basically got saved out of that, got rescued out of that. And he was devoting his life to now exposing this cabal. And so he told the story one time where he remembers being a kid. And this had to be, I'm, I'm assuming it was in the 60s, kind mm. of by, by the age he was when he was doing the podcast. But he was a kid, I think, in the 60s. Mm. He remembers being with his dad in basically a dumb, a deep underground military base. And again, if you believe this guy, he's he's in a powerful, influential, Illuminati-type family. And he's in this underground base where they were doing genetic experiments. And he remembered being horrified and literally scarred for life at what he saw. He said back in the 60s, he uh, he glanced into some of these rooms and saw them basically using advanced tech that we would think they never had back then to basically clone and create uh, small alien grade type uh, entities. Mm. And he remembers looking at them when they were in pain and he remembers feeling you know, just heartbroken for them because it was almost kind of like they were children. But again, this was a genetic experiment. So his thought was this was, you know, these were part humans, but they were chimeric in nature. All that to say, one of his theories was that uh, for the PSYOP part of all of this, for the cover-up, whether there might be actual real Mm. grays, he also believed the government was manufacturing their own version um, for their own deceptive end um, to place in some of these reverse-engineered craft. Mm. Um, that 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 always just blew my mind. That concept, that thought, I just couldn't imagine seeing what he saw. So, mm. Mm. any last thoughts, guys? I know uh, that was we we covered a lot of topics, and I want to honor your time. We got to end this. But I just want to say thank you, um, man. Mm. It's been awesome, not just becoming fans of your guys's, but uh, in your show, but friends and running with you in some of these crazy spaces. And uh, man, thanks for starting the show. I know I speak for hundreds and thousands when I say thanks for uh, launching Blurry Creatures. And um, man, mm. like I've said before, you, you've made road trips great again. There's nothing like going camping. <laughs> And downloading my playlist of blurry episodes mm-hmm. and uh, just cruising, man, for for hours. So thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for thanks for sponsoring us and uh, like you know, with just supporting us actually more like and 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 promoting us to your fan base early on before you even really knew us as as people. You just you were a fan of what we were doing and you took a chance to promote our content early on, put us in like your top ten at the end of the year and. It's really cool, Derek. I, I think you're very generous with sharing your content and other people's content, helping other people and promoting the truth in these spaces. And I think a lot of times, you know, we're all trying to build channels. We're all trying to, you know, figure out how to like, we're all nerds about this stuff and we'd love to do it on a daily basis. And it's really hard to like figure that out sometimes. So, you know, sharing other people's content, working together with other people, building community is really important. And I think it can be very 
you know, difficult and tricky sometimes, but you know, you, you've been very generous and very kind and very, you're not possessive. You're just, you, you want to help other people. And I just appreciate that about you in a, a very like nerdy, competitive, sometimes environment, sometimes it can become. So, um, thanks, man. Thanks for doing that. And, and we're just blown away. We, we, we just try to make it fun and interesting. Can't believe people, this many people care. And, um, hopefully it just keeps growing. And the Blurryverse expands, and we can work on some projects in the future. Do a lot of stuff together. I'm sure we're going to be releasing a lot of reels and other things together. So we've got a lot of plans, and hopefully the we you know obviously you came to our conference and you spoke there. So yeah, I love to say yeah. you've been you've been nothing but um, just just a pal and a friend and and a real person in like a sort of a digital world that we find ourselves in. So thank you. Yeah, you're one of the good guys, man. We're just good. We're glad to be. We're glad to know you. And yeah, like you were at BlurryCon 1, so, you know, they can never take that from us. <laughs> so no, we're that was just, an we're epic just, event you guys It was. Talk. Yeah, and I, you know what, I I just appreciate your, you, the things you're doing, the questions you're asking. As we ask questions in this space, I, I love the the lane that you're in and the questions you ask there. I think it's so important. It's such an important conversation to have that we look backward to understand some of these things and also to look for, to ask questions, to ask to question the narrative, to uncover the evidence, mm-hmm. right? I think in a lot of ways we're doing a lot of the similar things, just in we're in different lanes. Sometimes our lanes cross over, which is a lot of fun. And so um, mm-hmm. we're just grateful for you, man, and and, uh, and excited to see what what the future holds for Megalithic Marvels and Derek Olson. And I'm just glad to be a, a small part of of what you're doing here. So thanks, guys. Yeah, did yeah man. That. And to everybody uh, watching, make sure you subscribe to the Blurry Creatures podcast. They're on all platforms. Follow them on social media, Instagram, YouTube, subscribe. Uh, You can also become a member and um, get bonus content. And uh, you guys are always doing fun stuff with your members. Anything else you want to say about uh, how people can follow you, connect with you, upcoming projects, anything like that? Yeah, just just. Join in the Blurryverse, BlurryCreatures.com is where we're kind of our hub. And uh, you can find us on all the social media, Blurry Creatures. Just, just, just get in whenever you can. Sometimes you got to dive into the deep end with Tim Alvarino, but sometimes you can wade in with a Bigfoot episode. I don't know. Whatever you choose, come on down. Water's just warm. get weird with us. Yeah. Now, thanks, Derek. Yeah, come, come check it out. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know. We'll be uh, we'll be lurking. You guys we'll be crushed. lurking. We'll be lurking like Bigfoot. Yeah, you'll be crushing. Huh. Well, hey guys, thanks again for your time. Yeah, man. And, uh, this was a very fun and insightful episode. I think uh, viewers, listeners are going to really enjoy this. And uh, until then, stay blurry, huh? Stay blurry. <laughs>